Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. Saturday mornings at this time, I will be speaking with Premier Danielle Smith about a few of the issues of the day. But again, this is your opportunity to speak with the Premier directly, to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, whatever's on your mind. And I, I really encourage you, again, please keep it short and respectful. All right, Premier Danielle Smith, ready and waiting to take your calls or text those numbers again, 974-8255 in Calgary or 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. we got a full uh, slot of calls already. Text messages have been pouring in. Uh, Premier Smith, uh, welcome to the show and, and happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much, Wayne. No one can sing me happy birthday today. I've already had it sung to me by my uh, by my sheriffs, so... Uh, it's uh, it's done for the day. So, and no jokes on me today as All well right. either because it's April Fool's Day. I'm well aware of that. I'm still <laughs> still traumatized by how my my siblings would, would play jokes on me. So no jokes today. All right. Now, my usual few questions off the top uh, that I hope to get to during today's show. But, of course, our listeners are going to have their own topics and questions on the phone and text lines. But here's what's on my plate. All right. The biggie. And, of course, you know, I, there's no way that I cannot ask it. And that's the Art Pulaski conversation. The latest Leger poll shows it's still a bit of a horse race. Alberta municipalities on the hook for $69 million bill for the RCMP back pay and Alberta's response to uh, the Roger Shaw deal. So let's rip off the Band-Aid, the conversation with Art Pulaski. At best, critics say it was inappropriate to even have a conversation with a person facing criminal charges. At worst... Uh, the NDP says it amounts to political interference, especially your comment to Mr. Pulowski that says, can you just leave this with me and I'll make that request one more time. So how did he get your time? Well, you know, I talked to um, uh, Albertans across the province and I did during the leadership and, and many people um, who had received charges and were going through a court process. And I made it very clear during the campaign that I would do what I could to seek amnesty. It's um, it's happened in the past when laws change that uh, you you don't pursue the charges against an individual. I look at the cannabis uh, amnesty, for instance, that uh, that Justin Trudeau brought in. When the cannabis legalization happened, he has a whole process that people can go through and they can get pardoned for the for things that are no longer a crime. So that was that was my intention. Was sure, to see, but that's is more there... of a federal level, though, and in Alberta... And that's, and that's what same. I discovered. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I discovered, is that um, a, a provincial premier doesn't have the power of amnesty. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm new in the premier's job, but I did commit that I would look into seeing whether there was an opportunity to do that. And I, I had several conversations with Justice Department officials, especially as cases were getting resolved to see if that was changing any of the evaluation they were doing on the two things that I, there's only two things I can ask is, is it in the public interest? And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? And as you start seeing case law develop, you are able to sort of reassess and recalibrate. Does it pass those two tests? And every time I raised it, they said, yeah, we're just waiting on on uh, a couple of court cases to, re- to be resolved. And you got to wait. You got to be patient. And so that's what I did. That was the... And that was the advice that I was given. I, I know people are still. I know people. That... Are, I, I know people are still hung up on yeah. the language I used. And I, you and I talked about this back in January, because I kind of think of my my uh, uh, Tyler Shandro as my my top lawyer. Um, I think of Mike Ellis as my top cop. So um, I was using imprecise language. Every every com- communication that I had with my department was with my officials. It was appropriate. Yeah, and it so, was through proper channels. Through proper channels, yep. I can All only right. talk to department officials. I did. I raised the issue. I, I, I kept a campaign promise. I was told there was nothing we can do. We had to wait for the court process to play out. I checked one last time. I was told the same thing. 
and I haven't raised it again. So I, I've how did talk- Mr. Pulaski get 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 you on the phone? I, I have a, a mutual friend who asked if I would do a three-way call. So my friend called me, and then he called him. That was the only conversation I had with him. Do you regret that decision now? Well, you know, look, I, I, you never expect that you're going to be surreptitiously recorded in any call that you have. I, I do lots of phone calls, and, you know, now I, I ask when I'm having a phone call with somebody, are you recording me? <laughs> but, it, but people should feel comfort that I say the same thing in a call that I'm being recorded on that I don't know about that I say to you on the show. It was uh, exactly the same conversation, is that I looked into it, found out I don't have the power of amnesty. There's a lot of confusion, I think, that people have about how our court system works versus the Americans. I used imprecise language in referring to my Justice Department officials. Uh, we're waiting for the court case to play out, and that's where we find ourselves today. All right. We've got about eight weeks until the provincial election. The latest Leger poll has the NDP with a commanding lead in Edmonton. Uh, they have had, I think, since uh, since the beginning of these polls. Uh, but gaining momentum in Calgary, what's it going to take to get that momentum swinging in favor of the UCP? We've got a lot of work to do. I mean, we, we've been polling behind the NDP for about two years, and I'm, I'm pleased to see that the, the gap has narrowed. We, uh, we, one of the worries that I had is that we had lost a lot of ground and a lot of confidence of our, our members in rural Alberta. And that confidence is back. And it's beginning to come back in Calgary, too. There's a lot more that I need to do. It's why in uh, in January, when we, we shifted gears to focus on the things that I, I believe really matter to people, number one, jobs and economy. And we are just doing such a great job on jobs and economy. Our co- economy is booming. People want to be here. Our Alberta is calling campaign is working. We've got record numbers of people coming into this province. We've got our oil sands companies saying that they're going to invest $22 billion. We've got new uh, announcements coming out, whether it's $600 million from McCain's or whether it's the Imperial Biodiesel plant. We've got $729 million of new venture capital coming in. We've got a new film tax credit that's going to be attracting additional projects like Fargo and others. No wonder people want to be here. It's so exciting. So that's one thing that I think people need to, to, be, to be mindful of is that Things are looking up. They're looking good. And, and in fact, so many people are, are coming to this province because they, they know that they can get well-paying jobs in Calgary and surrounding area, in Edmonton and surrounding area. And, and we're just going to keep on doing that. We, we've made progress on uh, stabilizing the healthcare system. We still have more work to do. But there's some, some great good news stories. Happy to share those with you as well. Uh, in addition... And you've got a new candidate uh in Calgary. We have a new candidate in Calgary as well. Uh, Raja Ansani has, uh, has, uh, I, I, uh, I knew that when she had made the decision to step down, I knew that I, I wanted to continue to keep her involved. And uh, we were trying to find ways that when she was, when she stepped down in, in Northeast, the timing wasn't right. She, we knew that we needed to, to get these nominations going. It didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the right timing for her. But I said, she's so valuable on my team. She's my trade immigration and multiculturalism minister. She's been doing incredible work on clearing away pathways so that more people can come into our province. She's been helping with Ukrainian settlement and doing a tremendous job. So when Sonia Savage told me that she was uh, going to step down so that she could spend more time with family, I went back to to minister sani and i said do you think you might want to run there and she gave it some consideration and we announced uh, this morning that she has agreed to do that all right let's go to the phones chris has a very topical question for especially for today go ahead chris you're on with premier danielle smith hi thanks for having me today um i know that it's not uh it's not like it's april fool today but this is no joke i know that the carbon tax has increased it's going to be uh, an increase of 14 cents a liter at the pump uh, and at the same time, MPs in, uh, in Ottawa are getting a pay raise um, of $5,100, and the Prime Minister is getting another $10,200. Uh, 
Uh, alcohol taxes are increasing by 6.3%. Uh, I'm continuously in shock by how uh, the, the carbon tax is going to increase costs for regular Okay, we're losing you, but I, I think we got I the, got gist, the of gist of it. I got the gist of it. So let, let me tell you where we're at as of today, and you're so right. It isn't a joke, but it is outrageous. It is, uh, as we've been going through, fighting this affordability crisis. You see, you've see, you seen that what we've done. We took off our carbon tax uh, or our, our fuel tax on gasoline and diesel so that people would have a break at the pumps. We made sure that we brought in a gas, a, a gas, a, a natural gas program that, so that we, it wouldn't go above a certain amount for uh, what people would pay. I think the, the, the amount is above $6 a gigajoule. We put in some price stability in the electricity system. We, we've given rebates and whack right in the middle of this, the federal government increases the carbon tax. So now as of today, gasoline, 14.31 cents per liter. That's how much the federal government is taking. Diesel, 17.38 cents per liter. And natural gas on your home heating, 3.327 per gigajoule. When you... When you think about, and people are so frustrated when they look at their at their home heating bill, in some months, you're actually paying more in carbon tax than you are paying in natural gas. And we have pleaded with the NDP to call their federal leader, Jagmeet Singh, who is propping up this government and saying, make it a condition of his continued support at the federal level to rescind the carbon tax to, and certainly not to increase it 300%. And uh, the NDP has refused to do that. And so here we are with higher prices today, and it's going to keep on going up. And we're going to be continuing continuing to fight against it because when you're in the middle of an affordability crisis you don't increase the cost of everything and that's exactly what this does and we have demonstrated that through our actions it works it brings prices down we took off the the uh, the fuel taxes and look what happened when you look at the uh, assessment of what inflation is across the country I think it's average 5.6%. In Alberta, it's 3.6%. So th- this is important. This is what is going to make uh, the 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 difference, I think, in, in families' uh, bills across the board on everything they pay. Every time they take a trip, every time they take, they take their kids to a hockey or a soccer game, every time they pick up groceries, everything they purchase in a store, it's uh, the, uh, the federal liberals with their NDP backers have made everything more expensive. They have to own that. And don't, they cannot tell me how much they care about affordability. They cannot have, talk out of both sides of their mouths. If they cared about affordability, then they would be advocating for this tax to go away too. All right. Time for break. We'll be back with Premier Danielle Smith. More of your calls and texts when we return. On your province, your premier. If you're just joining us today, you are listening to Your Province, Your Premier. Heard every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta in Edmonton on 630 Chad and here on QR Calgary. Your opportunity to be heard by Premier Danielle Smith. All right, Premier Smith, we've got uh, two or three text messages that have come in uh, regarding the affordability registry. Uh, Joe has texted in saying, hey, this thing still isn't fixed. What's going on? Uh, Marshall calling in from uh, Chad on the text line saying it's been three months since the affordability payment started and since he registered and it still isn't fixed to edit problems. So let me tell you what, I am so impressed with Nate Lubish, who is our technology and innovation 
um, minister because I was actually quite worried about this being hacked. You have to remember Thomas Dang hacked our um, our health records and he actually has a, had a, ended up pleading guilty to that and got a fine. And so when I was going through this, I said, is it going to be hack proof? Are we going to make sure that it doesn't crash? And sure enough, they tested it and it works like a charm. It was slow for about 10 hours and uh, I think 1.1 million people were able to, to sign up to it, which was fantastic. But there were about 16,000 people who put wrong information in for their banking information. And so we needed to do a patch so that people could self-edit. That one's been done. But anybody who signed up through a registry, it was a different fix that we needed. I just contacted my um, affordability and utilities minister, Matt Jones, and he told me that uh, they are in process it should be coming within the next week. So unfortunately, we missed the deadline for payments in, in March. But nobody is going to lose the, the dollars that they're entitled to. They'll just get an extra payment when, it's, when it comes due in April. So what I would say is once we have done the patch through the registry, we will make sure people know about that so that they can go in. That was one problem that came up on the air that I knew we needed to solve. The other problem that came up on the air was the number of people who were on a CPP disability pension. The program was always meant to cover anyone who is on disability. And so many on disability have overlap with the disability programs we have with the shared income for the severely handicapped, but about 25,000 didn't. And so uh, again, Matt Jones did great work with his department. He's identified a way that we can uh, find out who those 25,000 people is. We've got uh, data sharing um, with the federal government. And so they'll be receiving a check in the mail. We figured, we tried to figure out if we could do it automatically through our system. We just can't do that. And so he has told me that in April and May, we will be sending out to those remaining 25,000 people. So they'll get a one-time lump sum payment so that they're able to to defray some of their costs also. So both of those came up on the air. And I just want to thank the uh, listeners for for raising those with me because that's part of the reason why I like to do this. I want to find out where the problems are. And if we can fix them, we will. Okay, let's go right to the phones. Uh, Peter has been uh, hanging on for quite some time. Uh, crime in Calgary. Go ahead, Peter. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yes, uh, thank you very much, uh, Danielle, for taking this call. Uh, very quickly, uh, and as a prelude, I, I come from Argentina. I've been living here for 49 years, and I've seen what crime, not taken seriously, has done to their country. I am very concerned about Mayor Gondik, who seems to be all bluster, no action. Her, fir- her first priority when she took over was climate change which is not, <clears throat> is not the priority of Calgarians. My question is, what can you do to enforce or promote uh, taking crime seriously from, you know, from uh, the central government in Alberta, from your government, say? What, what can be done to force these mayors, both in Calgary and Edmonton, to do what's right? Thanks for taking my call, Daniel. And thank you. And you're expressing, I think, the frustration so many have. We uh, we said goodbye to two of our fallen uh, officers in Edmonton this week, yeah, you know, on Monday, and then it's been carnage this week in across the country. The the Starbucks stabbing, uh, the stabbing that happened in Toronto Transit, and just multiple stories every day of people feeling unsafe in transit in our two major cities. 
I can tell you this is the number one thing that our public safety and emergency services minister, Mike Ellis, is working on. He's been talking with the chiefs of both Calgary and Edmonton. We've been talking with our task forces, and he has told me that we, we have some some announcements that we're going to make next week. So do know that uh, we've already started with, a, with a 12 sheriffs on the street in both Calgary and Edmonton. We're going to have to do a whole lot more, um, but I, I believe I'm doing an announcement with uh, Minister Ellis on Tuesday next week. And so we'll be able to, to tell you that, but I, I agree with you. Public safety is, the, is, in my view, the most important role of government. Because if you can feel safe and make people feel safe, then everything else works. If people don't feel safe, it's hard to get people to take transits. It's hard to get people to come downtown. It's hard, hard to keep people out at night enjoying the uh, attractions and, and having dinner. People feel nervous about having their kids go out. We can't have that. Uh, we, we've gone too far down the, uh, this track. It's gotten a little bit away from us. And we're, gonna, we're going to have to put some serious effort with all of the forces working together to make sure that we, we get things back on track. All right, Daryl is calling in from Diamond Valley. Daryl has a question on uh, on capital funding. Go ahead, Daryl. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Good morning, Daniel. I have a question. Now, due to the, what the last caller was talking about, the crime and the, the recent events in, the, in Alberta and our country, uh, police officers and other people being killed. Would you support the reinstatement of capital punishment in this country? I know capital punishment is a terrible thing, but what is happening in this country to innocent people and to police officers is also a terrible thing. I, I think we can do something more practical than that. When somebody commits a crime, we can't just let them out on bail. The, uh, the, the, the person who stabbed that teenager in, uh, in Toronto, in Toronto subway system had been released on bail two weeks prior. I think he was, uh, he, he, he had some crime that he had been apprehended for. We, we have seen this as well in our, in our own province, that there have been homicides that have taken place from people who are serious violent offenders released on bail. And these are, are, are provisions that the federal government brought in when they got elected. They, they made it a reverse onus where when somebody committed a heinous crime, the Crown had to argue why they should stay behind bars. It should be the other way. It should be a reverse onus. If you've committed a serious violent crime, it should be up, on, up to the defense lawyer to argue why you should be released. And so what you'll see is that uh, Premier Doug, Doug Ford took a great leadership role on this. He got all the premiers to put pressure on the federal government. Uh, my justice minister and my minister of public safety both went to Ottawa recently, and the federal government is committed to changing those provisions. That, that's what we need to do, is that if you've committed a serious violent crime, you should be staying behind bars in, until the, uh, the court system has, has played out on your case. And, and that's been a big error, and it's causing carnage on our streets, and it's got to stop. Speaking of crime, uh, we're going to segue into policing. Uh, Alberta municipalities are not too happy about a $60 million bill that they have to pay for RCMP back, fa uh, back pay. Um, you know, they said this is just further ammunition that the, the province can use uh, for a provincial police force creation. I know 
fact that people were reluctant to talk about other policing options when we were first raising it. But I, I can see that when you have these kinds of surprises to municipalities, you've got a lot of municipal leaders now saying, hmm, is there a better way? Is there um, a way that we can do policing in our community that is going to be something that is more under our control? And so there's been, I believe, 15 different municipalities who, asked, who have asked us for grants so that they can explore uh, a local policing option. So whether it's having their own municipal police force, which it looks like Grand Prairie is going to do, they've decided that they want to establish their own municipal police. There are others who are looking at regional policing models. If you live uh, close by Calgary or Edmonton, which do already do have a professional police service, maybe you, you might want to consider having them do contract policing on a regional basis. And there is even one municipality that asked if we would set up a sheriff's detachment. And so we are open to those kinds of conversations. We understand that having signed the RCMP contract, it's a bit out of our control when they make these kinds of settlements. It's a bit out of our control when they decide that they're going to make decisions on how they, they staff these detachments, which could also give a surprise to some of these um, some of these communities. So we want to put the power back in the hands of municipal leaders. If they want to do uh, an exploration of a different type of policing model, we're we're all we're all ears on that. And so uh, anyone can can make sure that uh, Mike Ellis knows that, and we'd be happy to support them in making a change. All right, we're going to take a text uh, right now. Uh, Brenda has texted in saying, uh, Premier Smith, I'm a big supporter of yours, and I work in healthcare, and you have my vote. My question is. One thing I hear so many people say is, quote, I won't vote for Danielle because she wants me to pay for doctor's appointments, unquote. This is one of the NDP ads that I think was taken out of context. This is what Brenda is saying. Uh, can you explain your take on this? The only one talking about charging people to see a doctor is the NDP. No one is talking about that but them. And so people should understand that. When uh, when our government got elected, we actually found out that the NDP was charging people to get critically important services. They were charging $40 per day for people to act access publicly funded beds for addiction treatment. We got rid of that uh, NDP era service fee. No one has to pay $40 per day anymore because we look at mental health and addiction as a foundational part of our healthcare system. We've got to fund that properly. Uh, and as a result, we, we've gone from being able to treat 19,000 people a year to 39,000 people per year. And I am looking at ways of being able to cover more things for people. When I've talked about a health spending account, I've recognized there's a lot of things not covered by the health system. Uh, politicians like Rachel Nodley enjoy a $950 health spending account. So taxpayers are paying for her to be able to have all of those things that aren't covered by health care covered. Why wouldn't we want to make sure that uh, that Albertans have that too? I just think that that's, that's, a, that's an issue of fairness. The only time I ever had a health spending account was when I was elected the last time around. And it's always bothered me that, uh, that taxpayers are paying for politicians and frontline workers to have these uh, special accounts that pay for things that they have to pay for out of pocket. And we want to stop that. So I would say it's the opposite. You've got um, the, the NDP under Rachel Notley charge people $40 per day to access a mental health bed. And uh, they also uh, are opposed to the health spending account, which would make healthcare more accessible and cover more things. So I would say it's the reverse. They're the ones who want you to pay more. All right. Justin has been holding on for, uh, I think, before the show started. Uh, <laughs> Justin is one of our regular listeners calling in from Edmonton. Go ahead, Justin. You've got a question for Premier Danielle Smith. Good morning. Happy birthday. Justin, I, I made a joke with Wayne that you're like his co-host. I love hearing you every week. So thanks for calling in again. What's your issue today? What is your reaction to the federal budget, which delivers record high spending, record high debt, and record high corporate welfare with absolutely nothing to show for it and nothing to grow and nothing for a plan to grow the economy 
and what would the provincial response to that budget be? Well, I know uh, how you feel about it, Justin, and I can tell you our finance minister, Travis Taves, he, he, he issued a statement saying pretty much exactly the same thing. And we do it something we do it differently in Alberta. We, we knew that there were a period of, of hard times when we first got elected. The NDP had racked up $80 billion worth of debt, took a little bit of time to turn that around, but we did. We've now had two consecutive surplus budgets. We're paying down debt. We're investing in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. We've put measures in place so that we won't increase operational spending faster than inflation plus population growth. So we've shown by our actions what we think is an appropriate way for for governments to manage your your, ta- your your tax dollars. I think the federal government gave a lot of signals that they were going to go in that direction. And now, what is it? A thirty nine a thirty nine billion in additional spending and deficits for as long as the eye can see. We're, we can only do so much in Alberta. And uh, I would say that that's one of the things you have to consider in the next election is uh, whether whether they should continue to get a mandate. All right, Keith is phoning in from uh, Edmonton area. Uh, funding for seniors question. Go ahead, Keith. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yes, Danielle. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm I'm very concerned about the random camping fees that's placed on people over 65. Uh, because, like, we've been in this province for 65 plus years, and uh, we should be able to not have any random camping fees imposed upon us. Like, uh, our generation, we usually go into the ATV trails and the horse trails, and uh, we we uh, keep seeing ATVs and Jeeps and stuff ripping up our trails, and, uh, and our generation generally cleans up after them, so why, why is this fee being imposed upon us? You know, it's a it's a good question. Let me let me circle back with Todd Lowen, who is our forestry, parks, and tourism minister. One of the reasons why I put parks and tourism into his portfolio, along with forestry, is because I think we need to to open more areas for camping. We need to open more areas so that people can enjoy our outdoors. We, I, as I understand it, I t- spoke with Dave Rodney, who used to be in uh, our tourism minister, and I was told we hadn't opened new campgrounds in 20 years. And this is part of the reason why we've got so many people, because we've grown so much in 20 years, all trying to use the, the same places. And there's, there's issues that are in conflict. If you want to enjoy peaceful camping um, in the in the backcountry. You don't necessarily want to be sharing the space with, with ATVs, but ATVs, um, do they need their own trails too. So, so uh, Minister Lowen announced a major announcement this past week that we're going to be investing in more spaces, more campgrounds, more recreational areas, more trails. And I hope that that goes a long way towards solving some of that conflict. But on the issue of whether those over age 65 should get a little bit of a break on those fees. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to commit to that without talking to him first, but I'll raise it with him. I, I commit, I'll, I'll commit that to you. All right. Logan has texted in. It's a fairly uh, long text, but uh, I think it's, it's one that uh, it needs that context. Uh, this is from Logan. He says, my question, I have been homeless since May of 2022, still working, but sleeping in my car since then. I also have mental health challenges and I'm lucky to be alive right now as I have considered committing suicide several times. I'm wondering why Alberta Works income support is making my life so miserable by denying me income support when I am working, growing my online business, trying to finish my bachelor's degree and get myself back on the 
Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada. Are there any policies that can be changed to get people housed? Getting back on tour is what keeps me from committing suicide and happy. There are many soldiers who have been going through the same hoops of getting income support. It seems like I am being prejudiced because I'm working but can't afford rent. Can you help or at least initiate policy changes? Logan, th- thanks so much for, for sharing your story. One thing I would say is is call 211. That is a way that you can get instant access to somebody who can give mental health support. And anybody who is in distress needs to know that we, we've made that same day access available. You can call them and you will get somebody uh, able to, to speak to you the same day. And b- part of what we're trying to do is connect people with the services that are available to them. I would I would have to to circle back with my um, my seniors community and social supports minister Jeremy Nixon to understand a little bit more about how Alberta works um, makes those kinds of assessments it, and I, I I take your point because with H one of the things that we did is made sure that people ha- were able to earn a certain amount of income I think it's up to eight hundred dollars before losing any of their benefits. And I don't know if we've got that parallel in uh, in Alberta Works so that if you're underemployed and not able to make enough market income to be able to pay for your, your rent and, and food, if there's a way for us to, to marry those two programs together. So you, you've given a, a good suggestion because there, there may need to be some kind of interim step that that uh, that can help. So I'm sorry for the troubles that you're going through. I'm, I know that there's um, there's lots of opportunities now to be to be able to to and this is part of what we're trying to do to create opportunities so that people can get more jobs so that they're able to 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 support themselves themselves on uh on uh, with with market wages and there are all, always need to, to to bridge some of that gap so call 211 and see if they can give you help call call um I don't know where you were living in the past. It sounds like you're, as you said, you're living in your car. If you can, if you can phone uh, the MLA in the area that you used to be living in as well. I, one of the things that my constituency assistants do, and I was just talking with them again on Friday. There's about four or five calls that they're working through, so to give people access to programs. So. If you can, um, if you can contact somebody at one of the constituency offices to be able to help you through, maybe go to one of the uh, home, uh, maybe the drop-in center. They might be able to assist you with that. That's part of why they're there, the, is to be able to give you access to the programs and, and help you navigate the system. So I wish you good luck, Logan. All right, Ron is uh, calling in uh, from Boness uh, Environmental Stewardship. Uh, Ron, go ahead. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Danielle. <laughs> That Justin speaks so fast, I can't keep up. <laughs> um, so my topic is responsible environmental stewardship in Alberta. I'm a former high school teacher in Banff. It always amazed me how quickly Canadian tourists from down east changed their perceptions of Alberta once they experienced the wildlife corridors and overpasses, restrictions on ski resort expansion, the respect shown for wildlife territories, ducks on limited sloughs, etc. By promoting Canadians to, to by promoting Canadian tourism to Alberta, we are also enhancing the overall understanding of how environmentally responsible and progressive Alberta is. No question here, just an opening for you to comment. Thank you. Right on. You're exactly right. And that that's the reason why it's so important for us to invest 
in tourism and opening up the campgrounds because you're exactly right. When people see how our beautiful open spaces and are able to enjoy the outdoors, uh, I think that's part of the excitement people had around Last of Us when uh, the Hollywood production came here and why they've just been singing our praises is because there were so many gorgeous landscapes, such variety in in, uh, in shooting locations. And I think we're going to end up seeing a whole lot more. There, that's almost our biggest promotion to the world is that when we do have these big Hollywood productions come here and people talking about what a glorious place this is, we're just going to get more of that. So great comments, and I totally agree with you. All right, Steve has a Springbank Dam question. Go ahead, Steve. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yeah, good morning, Premier, and uh, happy birthday to you. Jeez, you should be still in bed instead of doing this program, but uh, I will take this as an opportunity to talk to you here. Um, no, shortly after you became elected Premier and started doing this program, um, I had phoned in and I was asking you about uh, what potential there might be to, to study the Tri-Rivers Joint Reservoir uh, as a potential alternative Springbank, and you sounded uh, somewhat uh, uh, receptive to the idea. Um, do you know offhand whether there is any budget item in the last budget uh, to, to study that Tri-Rivers Dam? Um, I was... Uh, I, I tried uh, submitting, well, actually, I, I live in Calgary, Elbow, so I don't have an MLA to whom I can address this question. Um, I did submit an inquiry to your website, but I haven't heard anything back yet. I discovered, Steve, that there was already a process in motion through environment to assess a solution on the Bow River. So Springbank Dry Dam is on the Elbow River, but we need a solution still for the Bow River. And we're looking at three different reservoir sites. We have to have that process play out. We're, we kind of ran out of time on a few things. As you know, I just got elected in, in October, and now we're facing an, an election in May. But I have spoken with Dr. Emil Gabriel about this. I, I had members of that committee on the show when I when I used to, to be in radio. And so I, I want to see what the recommendation is that comes down from environment. And then I'll, uh, I'll make a note that we should, that we should, uh, I should check with the environment ministry to see if they can uh, review that, that proposal. I, I had, it was, it was not top of mind for me. It is now. So let me see if, if, uh, if we can, if they've done an assessment on it. All right. I want to take a, a text message here on uh, electricity rates. Uh, caller says, what can be done about those rates? My current rate with NMAX is six cents per kilowatt hour, but the renewal price is 13 cents and added fees are ridiculous especially transmission costs not doing anything is just paying playing into the ndp hands and there was another one here uh with regards to i'll see if i can find it uh with regards to the uh um, removing the regulated rate option uh saying that they're now paying more uh after that was done so so one of the things that frustrates me about the regulated rate option is People think, oh, it's regulated. I must be protected. And they're not. The regulated rate option is the most variable option. And we have been doing ads for the last three months to just plead with people and encourage people to call one of the service providers and sign up to to a contract. I mean, people do this already with their cell phone bill. They shop around and they try to find the best options for them. People are going to have to start doing the same thing with electricity because I think for a long time, uh, because the right rates were regulated, people got lulled into thinking government was protecting them. And it hasn't been that case since 1999. It is the most variable rate, and it really just got out of control in this most recent winter period. It went, it went up. If we hadn't put in price protection, 
to make sure it didn't go up more than 13 and a half cents a kilowatt hour through these months. It would have gone up to over 30 cents a kilowatt hour. People would have been paying an extra $100 per month. And so we are strongly encouraging people to call service providers, look, shop around, look for rates so that you will be able to control that, uh, that vitally important expense item. That's one thing. The other thing that Matt Jones and I hear, I, I, you might think that Matt Jones is my only minister. I talk about him so much, but he, he has a lot to do in affordability and utilities. We have started talking with the generators as well as the electric system operator, as well as the Alberta Utilities Commission, as well as the, uh, the, the, those who operate our wires business, the transmission lines and the distribution lines, saying this is we, one of our Alberta advantages used to be having the lowest cost energy across the board, whether it was gasoline and diesel, whether it was electricity or whether it was home heating. And we need to get that Alberta advantage back. And so the federal government uh, and and the NDP Liberal Coalition there isn't making it easy for us because they keep on leveling on these carbon taxes. But we've got to do what we can to mitigate against that. So it's a whole system-wide approach that we need to take. And uh, once again, we ran out of ran out of time to do the full comprehensive review, but we're going to uh, to start that on June 1st if we get reelected. All right, we're going to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Danielle Smith. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you on Your Province, Your Premier. This is your opportunity to speak with Premier Danielle Smith one-on-one if you have a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, the numbers to phone or text are 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. We're going to go uh, right to the phones and uh, talk with Terry uh, calling in from Edmonton regarding surgical wait times. Go ahead, Terry. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Good morning, Premier Smith. Um, I have two questions for you. I'm hoping you can help uh, me um, gain an understanding. Um, so I just want to preempt this by saying my first question, I do work in healthcare, and I know that everyone is working extremely hard, um, but I find myself in a situation where um, <clears throat> I am being impacted by the surgical wait times. Um, I've had a fungal infection in all of my sinuses and suffer every day. Medications needed for my treatment are backordered with no firm delivery date available, and I've now been told by my surgi- surgeon um, that it's going to be at least in another few months before I can have surgery because my surgery is considered elective. Um, can you tell me what the government is, is supporting or investigating right now in regards to surgical wait times? We are, so what we're working on is a, an internal objective that no one will wait longer than medically recommended. Now, I don't know what the medical recommendation is for the type of surgery that you need and we're making moves in the right direction, but we're not there yet. So I just want to make sure people understand why we we took the view that that one's so important. There will always be people who get onto a wait list and there's going to be delays in how we we do the coordination because it has to work for the patient, it has to work for the facility, it has to work for the surgeon, and it has to work for the anesthesiologist. So it's a very complicated group of people that we have to get together to make a surgical wait or a surgery work. So just know that that's what's working behind the scenes is they're trying to figure out a way to improve those processes, and it's why we have a, we'll always have a little bit of delay in getting people into into treatment but no one should wait longer than what their their uh their doctor recommends and when i got elected i was hearing stories of people waiting three and four years 
for surgeries that were considered elective, like knees and hips and shoulders and ankles and, uh, and, and those types of surgeries, cataracts. And that's unacceptable. And it's just as unacceptable in, in your situation as well. So where are we at? We did an assessment of how many people were waiting longer than medically recommended. And it was 39,000 when we first got started. It is now down to 30,000 at the end of March. We are clearing that backlog, 3,000 a month. And Dr. John tells me it should be gone by this time next year. So I know it's frustrating because you've been waiting a long time. I know when you're the one waiting, it doesn't feel like there's progress being made. I know three more months is creating hardship and creating quality of life issues. It's why we're so committed that we it's not acceptable to say, okay, well, you've got access to the wait list. You're on the wait list. We've got to make sure that every person in Alberta is getting their surgery within a, a medically recommended period of time. And I think we're going to be the first pro- province to do it. So I will. So let me just see. I've got some some stats here just so you know wh- where we're at as of March 27th because of all the things that we're doing. We're, uh, we're increasing the capacity of our publicly funded hospitals, op- op- opening up new uh, surgical suites and operating rooms and doing renovations. We want to make sure we maximize the capacity. But then we're also using charter surgical centers, which has expanded our capacity of, of being able to do surgeries by 60,000. We're able to do about 300,000 surgeries a year. 60,000 of them are in these chartered surgical centers. So we're doing 6,000 surgeries a week. And as of uh, January, sorry, I don't have the most up-to-date numbers, uh, but we were we had 49.3% of our surgeries com- completed within medically recommended periods of time. And we're just going to keep on moving in that direction until it's 100%. So, I'll, uh, so I don't know if we have any, any charter surgical centers doing the type of surgery that you're talking about, but it's why we're opening up more opportunities. We want to make sure that we are in an open environment where the doctors can, uh, can, can set up these surgical suites to be able to assist us with our capacity. We're signing new agreements all the time on this, we're, and we're increasing the capacity all the time on this. It, it really is one of the top priorities to make sure that every person is, is going to get the needed care. So thanks for sharing your story with us. All right, just before we go to Danny in Brooks, so Danny, hang on just a little bit longer. A related question, uh, this is from Tyler, says, I sent Premier Smith a letter regarding the federal government's upcoming fertilizer regulations on farmers and referenced the situation that's unfolding in the Netherlands. I want to know her thoughts on it and how she would try to protect Alberta farmers from the same situation. I, I had a conversation in the last week with Minister Dominic LeBlanc and Minister Jonathan Wilkinson at the federal level because I, I've told them that look, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to defend our industry, whether it's oil and natural gas or whether it's our farmers. And I want to work with the federal government on finding an appropriate pathway to get to carbon neutrality by 2050. But they are asking for something that is completely unachievable. We cannot do massive decreases in emissions. By 2030, they've, they've set arbitrary targets on a whole variety of different measures. And if we go down that pathway, it'll cause major hardship. So they committed to me on the phone that the issue of reducing fertilizer emissions 30% by 2030, which they were proposing, is not going to be mandated. So we're going to hold them to account for that. I said, well, now we just need to move on to the next one. I need a commitment that you're not going to force us to have a 42% emissions reduction on oil and gas by 2030 either. And we have to make sure that we do not have clean electricity regs come in that prevent us from putting new natural gas onto our power grid. That is going to be the number one most important thing in maintaining lower electricity prices. We have to be able to add reliable baseload power 
uh, as our economy continues to grow. So we've uh, two, one out of three is where we're at right now, and uh, we we've got to do some more work on those on those other two. So I'm I'm hoping that a new spirit of collaboration has taken over the federal government. And uh, we'll, we'll keep on doing that. But uh, if they if they if they go in a different direction, we can't allow that to happen. All right. Uh, um, I've 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 let them know because if you reduce you have that kind of aggressive emissions reduction target, it means you're going to be lowering food production at a time when the world needs more food security. We just won't let that happen. Okay. I promised we were going to go to Danny in Brooks. Danny, you've got about a minute here, so uh, go ahead. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Okay, I'll make it quick. Um, regarding uh, like producers and irrigation, all of our operations run on power, diesel fuel, gasoline. Um, switching over, the the NDP had a program where it was an interest-free loan, basically to put up uh, put up solar, um, and it was a good program. Um, I guess my question is, uh, are you going to be doing something like that? And if not, when we do put them up, Fortis caps you at like about 110 percent of consumption. Um, you know, if that cap was taken off, we could provide base load plus also um, carbon and reducing carbon and all the other things that come along with it. I just wanted to quickly know if you're going to do something there. Great ideas, Danny. I, the, the, I, I think that we could have a lot more solar on our grid if we were putting them on the rooftops of major buildings in Calgary, Edmonton and other major centres. And I think that there are some barriers to doing that, the ones like you described. So that's part of the review that I'm going to do with my uh, affordability and utilities minister. We want to make sure that we've got a whole suite of, of ideas that are going to reduce electricity across the board, make sure that we have a support for all of the different electricity options and and it's, it's going to require some modification it may require us changing some of the rules but we we've run out of time to be able to do that because we're going into an election in a month but i'll i'll make sure that the that the minister knows that that's one of the things that we need to look at the other thing that i'm very keen to look at is how we might be able to support the conversion to hydrogen and biodiesel dual-use engines. I know that they're already doing an ex, uh, a pilot project on this through the Alberta Motor Transport Association because I think hydrogen is going to be the, the fuel that assists us in being able to meet these kinds of targets. You know, working in an agriculture sector, uh, people who do long-haul trucking, people who live in rural, they know that, that electric vehicles are probably not going to be the solution there. And so if we can do hydrogen and and, um, and work on creating some of the incentives to do those kind of vehicle switchovers. That, that's that's what I really want to do. I, I should mention that um, the energy minister just told me we did a, a an expression of interest asking people if they wanted to uh, establish uh, hydrogen fueling stations. And we actually had 15 people, uh, 15 different companies came forward, said, yeah, we think we're, we might be interested in that. So we're going to do a review and make sure that we're able to get the the kind of spread that we need across the, across the province. I've spoken with Jonathan Wilkinson about that. He drives a hydrogen vehicle. I said, well, maybe we can ha- work together on that one too. Look at all this agreement we can have with the federal government if we're focused on the same things. So do know there'll be a lot more coming on that and I, I appreciate your input on it. All right. Premier Smith uh, once again has been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thank you. I appreciate that, Wayne. All right. We'll do this again next week at the same time. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.